Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Brian Sparks. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, Roy City. And uh, anyways, we're just, we're just honored to have you. And, uh, and uh, for those of you that don't know, we are moving uh, because, as you notice, there's, it's a little full. And uh, this is this is first service, and uh, wait, wait, you don't come for second. If you think this is full, you, you don't come for second. Uh, but the reason we're moving to uh, on August fourteenth uh, to Fort Elementary, and uh, the reason why is because we want to make room for for your family. We want to make room for your friends. We want to make room for uh, your neighbors, anybody that you can bring. We want to make room because I believe this, that there's a world that needs to hear the gospel. Amen. It's not for a bigger church, but it's so that people can find hope in, in Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to be moving and we have, uh, we're, we, we're changing up the service times a little bit. So uh, this service won't be at 9 a.m. It'll be at 8.45 a.m. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. You look good, but you'll look better at 8.45 on August 14th. Come on. Turn to your second choice, your other neighbor. Say, neighbor, you're going to look even better at 8.45 in the morning. Come on, somebody. We'll do an 8.45. We're doing a 10 a.m. service and then we're leaving at 11.30, exactly where it's at. And, uh, but, but you're going to have a lot more room, right? Um, because we have, uh, I think we have between 90 and 100 uh, places. You know, if we do it just like we always did, it's 90 to 100 chairs in the sanctuary that we can fill and uh, make room for people in each service. So it's going to be amazing, and I believe God's going to take us higher and farther in, than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. Amen? You with me? All right, if you got a Bible, turn to Luke. Luke 14. We're in a third part of our series, We Can't Stay Here. We can't stay here. You know, I think that God is a God that's always moving. And I think that we have a tendency to just kind of say, no, you know what, this is good enough. This is where we, we should be. But God is always wanting us to move forward. And there's a massive difference between being satisfied with where you are and being complacent with where you're at. And we're never going to be complacent with where we are. As your pastor, I'm always going to push you for more. I believe that God has more for you, more in store for you and your family and your loved ones than you can ever, ever even imagine. If we just begin to dare to believe God for greater, what could happen? In uh, Luke 14, verse 16... We're going to read through 23. It says this, Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see See it. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife 
and therefore I cannot come. Come on. She's already wearing the pants in the family. Amen. She said, I couldn't go. I can't go. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I want to say that again, that my house may be filled. If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, you can title this message, The Great Invitation. The Great Invitation. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that it's open and every heart is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. We have a saying here, a quiet church is a? We're not a dead church, are we? All right. Well, uh, in 2000, I was uh, living in Sulphur Springs, Texas. And uh, I worked at a a lumber yard called Foxworth Galbraith. Uh, it's no longer there. It is now a college, Paris Junior College, I think, bought it. Uh, but, but that's where I worked at in the day. And, and uh, I, I worked with a lady named Marty. And uh, Marty did all the custom cabinets, and that's what she did. And uh, the, I, I'd been working there for a while, and, and, uh, and it, a little bit of time went by. And then she, she got this idea that me and her daughter would be really good together. And so she started trying to set me up with her daughter. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, you know, whatever. And uh and then she got like every woman does, she gets everybody else in the company involved. So everybody in the company began to say, "No, you really need to go out with Marty's daughter. You need to go out with Marty's daughter." And they just kept on, kept on. And I wasn't real sure about the whole thing. You know, I was just kind of like, ah, "I just don't know." But one day she showed up to visit her mother. And all of a sudden, I became very sure about the whole thing. So I put on my best game, and I began to cruise down the uh, the plumbing aisle as she was walking out to her car. And I walked up, and and she was walking out, and I said, excuse me. And I, I said, would you go on a date with me? She surprisingly said, yes, I was much better looking men than I am now. Thank God. Amen. But, but surprisingly, she said, yes, I, I'll go out with you. So we set it up for that Friday. And here's the thing is I didn't know it and I didn't realize it at the time. But that simple invitation was going to rock my world. It was going to completely change everything with a simple invitation. We went out on a date and we ended up talking in the car just, and and, I mean, it was just like a connection happened. I was crazy about her. I had to leave town and, and, uh, I was rushing to get back. And, and here's the thing is I just fell head over heels for her. She was just as crazy about me as I was about her. And, 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 and we just, we just continued to, uh, date. And in fact, anytime I was not at work, we were together. Come on. I, I, I w- we went out to eat together. We hung out together. We just spent time together because I could not get enough of Crystal McBrayer at the time. 
It was just one of those things that I loved her. I was crazy about her. So guess what happened? About nine months in, on April 5th, 2001, I decided that this was the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Is that right? (laughs) April 30th. 25 days off for crying out loud. She's going to... Some of you don't even, I know we went out on September 8th, 2000 was our first, first date. Some of y'all don't know that. But here's the thing. So, so uh, why do women always have to get caught up in the details? So April 30th, 2001, I decided, you know what? This is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. And, and I'd come in from work, and I'd already gotten the ring, and, and I, I, just, I just knew it. Like, I, I was in, I, I knew it. So she came in, uh, she, she came into the apartment, and I got down on one knee, and I decided to make her an invitation that would make her the luckiest woman on the face of the planet. And I said, Crystal, will you marry me? She, thank God, said yes. But here's the thing, is that it was another invitation that changed my world forever. Because through that, we, we got married, we had kids. Come on, our life has been changed. This September, we celebrate 15 years of marriage together. But it all started with a simple invitation. And I think a lot of people forget how powerful an invitation can be. An invitation's a powerful thing. If you really think about it, you're on this earth because of an invitation. You don't have to go too far into it, but your mama and your, da- your daddy asked your mama something, and you were born. You're here because of an invitation. And if you think really hard, probably everything good in your life, everything great, in your life came from an invitation. And here's what's amazing about invitations is you have the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life through a simple invitation. It's just a simple invitation. It's not hard, it's not difficult, it's not anything that it's not anything amazing. It's simply inviting somebody we can change somebody's entire trajectory of their life with a simple invitation now here's the question that i want to ask you today is what if we begin to see empty seats like god sees empty seats here in this passage we see that that god's not jesus is saying god's not satisfied with an empty chair anywhere he said, no, 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 you don't understand. There's still room. Go out into the highways. Go out into the byways. Go out into the workplaces. Go anywhere you can and invite everybody to come in so that my house may be filled. See, God looks at an empty seat different than we look at empty seats. I don't know about you, but I look at, a, as, at an empty chair and I think, all right, I have an opportunity to spread out. Anybody else? I, I, we were in a, a movie theater the other day, and it was kind of like there was nobody there. Thank the Lord. Those are the best movies. I always like seeing them like at the last possible second because then I know I have the whole movie theater. And somebody had the audacity to walk up and sit right next to me. Whole theater, and you're going to sit right next to me? Do you not understand? This is a, there's rules involved here. Sit somewhere else. But here's the thing is that even though at a movie theater I love empty seats, when I'm at church, I like a full house. 
I like it to be full. I like it to be packed. I like there to be lots of people because I understand something. That an empty chair can never hear the gospel. But a person sitting there can hear the gospel. And I'm crazy enough to believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still powerful and can still change lives. See, and that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand in this story. He's, he's trying to get you to, to wrap your mind around it because he understands human nature. He understands we like our space. Come on, we have personal space, and we like that. But he wants us to start seeing empty seats like God sees empty seats. And it's not an opportunity for us to spread out, but every time we see an empty chair, it's an opportunity for us to reach out. When we see an empty chair and we walk into church, we don't think, oh, yeah, I got the whole row to myself. This is amazing. No, we should see an empty chair and say, God, I I pray right now that you'll give me an opportunity to reach somebody, that I'll have the opportunity to tell somebody about a great church, that I'll have an opportunity to invite somebody to church so that they can experience your power and your presence for the first time maybe. What if we started seeing empty chairs like God sees empty chairs? Here's the thing is that church people develop an attachment to chairs. You know who you are. Some of you, I might not know your name. And when somebody comes up and starts talking to me about it, I'll say, wait, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, that name doesn't ring a bell. And then they'll say, they sit here. And I can say, Okay, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about because they sit there every week in the same spot. It's just like, this is my spot. This is where I sit. And, and we developed this attachment for chairs. A, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine in Oklahoma, I don't think this has ever happened here. I pray it never has. But, but a pastor friend of mine in Oklahoma was uh, made aware that uh, there, was a, there was a family that had sat down and, and, uh, and, and taken up some chairs and they were sitting there talking, having a good time, excited to be at church and ready for the power and the presence of God, waiting for worship to start. And all of a sudden, a woman came up, tapped this person on the shoulder and said, excuse me, you're sitting in my seat. You need to get up and leave. What happened is, is that they had developed the wrong mindset about a chair. They weren't celebrating that somebody was sitting, oh, thank God, somebody is sitting in my seat. Maybe their life can be changed like mine. See, that's the mindset that we have to develop. I want a mindset at the church, Roy City, that if somebody's sitting in your seat, you celebrate it. You think, man, I'm willing to give up my seat. I'm willing to stand in the back. I'm willing to stand up. I don't care. As long as somebody can hear the gospel, I want them to hear what I've heard. But a lot of times we develop this wrong mindset about chairs. We must change the way we see seats if we want to do all that God has called us to do. I pray, and I know right now it doesn't seem that relevant. There's a few empty chairs in here. But when we get into this new facility at Ford Elementary, guess what? There's going to be chairs. And when we walk into that building, I want everyone, anytime you see an empty seat, I want you to think, man, I have an opportunity. God, I have an opportunity. Somebody can be sitting there. Somebody can be sitting there. How do we do this? Number one, 
We look for the opportunities God gives us. I love Crystal was telling us the story last week, if you weren't here, and she said that she was in a coffee shop hanging out, and she felt like there was this guy over there working on his computer, and her, her and Nancy and Crystal Figueroa were all having coffee and just friends hanging out, and, and they all felt like they were supposed to reach out to this guy. And, uh, but they didn't want to be like, hey, so how you doing? You know, it's like, like they're hitting on him. So they're trying to devise this plan. And so finally they, they dig through their purses and they find every invite card that they can for the church Royce City. And he gets up to go to the bathroom and they walk over and throw them down on the table and run out of the building. Now that's not exactly the best way to do it in my opinion, but whatever works for you. You might be embarrassed to talk to somebody. That's why we give little cards and you get to invite people out. But here's the thing, is that we must always be willing to listen to and obey the Holy Spirit when he begins to speak to us. When he begins to say, hey, invite that co-worker. Hey, invite that neighbor to church. I know you don't like them. I know they're mean. I know they're always complaining. That's why they need me all the more. You start looking for opportunities to invite people to church. I loved Jimmy and Nancy when they first moved here. They were um, uh, looking for a house, and they finally found a house, and they went to closing. And they were sitting there signing their life away. Come on, y'all know that feeling. And, uh, and as they were signing papers, both of them had this thought, we need to invite our closing agent to church. Both of them thought, no, no you know, it's awkward. I don't, I don't know, you know, she probably already goes to church, she, there's no reason for me to invite, and they just kept on and kept on, finally, they handed her a card, and they said, hey, listen, I just want to take an opportunity to invite you to my church, I'd love for you to come, I'd love for you to be our guest, the lady said, smiled and kind of put it in her purse, said, thank you so much, and weeks went by, and they never saw her, but one day, up the sidewalk came this lady and her kids, Come on, they got plugged into church. They, they, they fell in love with Jesus all over again. And then they joined the dream team and are serving in the church still today. What can a simple invitation do, church? Jimmy was scrolling through Craigslist for some reason. I don't know what. And somebody said, hey, I'm looking for a good church in Royce City. And there was a comment below and said, I've never been, but I heard the church Royce City is awesome. Now, here's the thing. Why had they never been? Because somebody in their life has talked about the church, has talked about how amazing it is. How their life has changed. How God had done something great in their life. But there's never been an invitation. There's never been an invitation offered. Why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come sit next to me? Why don't you come? See, here's the thing, church. we got to take opportunities to invite people to church. Not so that our church can be bigger, but so that people's lives can be changed. God is always giving us opportunities to reach out. He's always giving us opportunities. Here's, here's what people think. Well, that's the pastor's job. No. You know what my job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. 
That means that every one of you, I don't care if you get paid from the church or not, every one of you is a minister of the gospel. As soon as you said, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, guess what? You became a a, a minister of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go Go into your neighborhoods, go into your workplaces, and tell people about what I've done in your life. Every one of us have an opportunity to invite somebody to come. Number two, we must train our eyes to see hurting people. We must train our eyes to see hurting people. You know, I think that this goes by, gets by us a lot. Because what we, we, we have a tendency, we, we have a tendency to react. If somebody lashes out of us, come on, we react right back to them, Right? But here's a, there's an old saying that says hurting people hurt people. And, and we don't see that they might be hurting or they might have had a hard day or they might have just gone through a divorce or they might ha- their kids might be, have run away from, from the thing. You don't know what they're going through. Maybe they got a bad diagnosis for, from the doctor and they, they don't know what to do and they've lost hope and they're not sure and they're waiting for you to see them hurting. To peel back the layers of what they say on the outside and start saying, you know what, I believe that God can change your life. We need to train our eyes to see hurting people. I heard a story recently about a man named John and Larry's whose paths intersected. John had recently moved to a new town, into a new community, bought a house. And uh, they had just gotten settled in, gotten moved in. And that night, they were sitting around having pizza, I'm sure, and uh, all of a sudden, the phone rang. John picked up the phone, and voice on the other end said this, you're going to be sorry that you ever bought this house. John thought, wow, that's a welcoming, you know, like, I just got here, and you're already saying that, and then, so he called the cops, like, he thought, this is a threat, he doesn't know what to do, he calls the cops, and the cop showed up and he said okay he said I can tell you exactly who it is because uh, it's the head of the KKK here in our town and I'm really sorry sir I he's been you see Larry was trained to hate John because he was different and it lived his whole life hating people just like him but what he didn't expect is that John loved God with all his heart and so what John John could have done a lot of different things. He could have got angry, he could have got mad, he could have lashed back out. He could have done a lot of different things, but John made a, a decision. You know what? I'm going to love Larry. So every Thursday at three o'clock, he would call Larry's house and say, "Larry, Larry would never answer the phone, but he'd leave a voicemail. Larry, I want to be your friend." Give me a call whenever you want a friend. Larry, next Thursday. Larry, hey, there's a lot of love in this world you're missing out on. Just give me a call when you're ready for a friend. And he continued to do this for months and months and months and no response. And finally, one day, Thursday at 3 o'clock, he picked up the phone and called Larry again. And Larry picked up. And he said, John, would you come over? I, I need to talk to somebody. All of his friends said, don't go over there. You know, what's, 
what's going to happen? Yeah, he's, he's mad at you. You've been doing this for a long time. But John said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Him and his wife walked over, rang Larry's doorbell. And when they opened the door, Larry was in a wheelchair. He had lost his legs to diabetes. He had an AK-47 in his lap and a pistol in the other, in the hand. And when they walked in, he put the pistol down. He shook his hand and began to weep. And he said, I've done a lot of wrong in my life. And you saw through it. I've been hurt. I've been neglected, but you saw through it. This was what's amazing about it, is that they became friends so much so that Larry, uh, at the end of his life, he, was, he had a lot of health problems, and he had nobody to take care of him. And John's wife quit her job and took care of him for the last year of his life. And he said this, Larry didn't live well, but he died well. Because the whole time he was calling people and saying, I'm sorry I did this. I want to let you know about love. And he began to express the love of God. See, here's the thing, is that John didn't see hate. He saw hurt. He saw somebody that was hurting, that needed the love of God in his life. And what if we begin to peel through the layers, and whenever somebody lashed out, we stopped seeing hate or anger or bitterness or whatever it is, and started seeing, man, these people are hurting, and they need the love of Jesus. Because if I didn't have the love of Jesus in my life, where would I be? Changes with a simple invitation. The last thing is that every seat must become our mission. Every seat must become our mission. There's a woman that comes to this church, and um, she we got to hear her story. That's one of my favorite things is that I get to hear stories of people's lives. And she, we didn't know it at the time, we didn't know everything that was going on, but she had been invited to church, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go. See, this woman had grown up into a home where her dad told her that she was worthless, that she was never good enough. She could never do anything right. He was verbally abusive. He was mean. And he was always telling her that there was, no, there was no chance that she was ever going to amount to anything. She got married, and all of this baggage, she carried, she carried this baggage with her. She was still hurt. She, she thought, man, I can never do anything. And, and it began to trickle over into her marriage, and now then her marriage was falling apart. Her marriage was on the rocks. It wasn't good. It wasn't happy. There was fighting all the time. And, and she had honestly lost hope when she got an invitation. To come to the church. She walked in unsure. Not sure. Lord, I don't know why I'm coming here. This is silly. I, I, I don't think that this, there's anything that's going to happen. And she said that when she walked in, she, she came to a seat. Nobody really, they said hi to her, but she came to a seat. And before anybody ever got on a, on a microphone or sang or did anything, she looked down and saw a message said, you were made for more. 
And she said, in that moment, I realized something. That all the, that my dad had said and that all that had been told me all my life was a complete lie. And I knew this, that God had brought me here for such a time as this so that I could see a message sitting in a seat, not preached from a microphone, but sitting in a seat that would say, you are made for more. And I want you to understand that every seat that is empty needs to be filled because every seat has a story and every person needs a message of hope that says, you know what? Jesus Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Jesus has a call on your life. And if you'll just come in, you can come just the way you are. You can come boldly into his throne room. And I'm here to tell you that God will forever change your life. That woman gave her life to Jesus. And her marriage was saved. She still comes to this church. Why? Because somebody gave a simple invitation. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Church RC. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.